welcome to the Proper Mental Podcast. Normalising open and honest conversations about mental health by having open and honest conversations about mental health. Episode 41 of the Proper Mental Podcast. And my guest this week is Ben Wakeling. Now, this is going to be a tricky intro because it's it's challenging to describe what it is <laughs> that Ben does. It's actually quite challenging for him to describe what he does, so I don't really stand a chance. But I'm going to have a go anyway to try and set this episode up. Basically, Ben Wakeling is a full-time artist, but he also works for the NHS, where he delivers his own expressive arts programme for NHS mental health uh, secure units across London. So it's kind of like art therapy, but from what I understand, Ben isn't from the traditional art therapy route. But he talks about, on the episode, he talks about his work that he does for the NHS, and it's absolutely fascinating. Um, we really get into it and um, yeah what he does is just it's unusual and it's important and it's just really really fascinating he also runs his own gallery called the outsider gallery where he exhibits original works um, from people that are in these nhs trusts in the forensic departments in the cams departments in the secure units um, and basically he shows work from anyone who's sort of um, excluded or marginalised or stigmatised against. You know, he hangs their, their work for people to see. He also runs the Hackney Wick life drawing community as well. So he does a lot of different things, all in the kind of the mental health space. And I kind of found out about him because I was down a like a... I don't know, a Google rabbit hole looking at mental health stuff one night and I saw this really striking graffiti image of just the words mental health just spray painted on the side of like a building or a bridge or something. I can't remember which one I saw first. And it just looked, I don't know, it just stood out from all the other stuff I was looking at and I just thought, oh, I wonder what that is. Um, and I did some sort of digging and I sort of found out about this thing called the mental health vandals and that led me back to Ben where I read up a little bit on, on what he does on his website. So I sent him an email and when I was researching the the episode, if you Google Ben, there's all these loads of words come up and this all saying stuff like innovative, radical, unorthodox, unconventional, all this sort of stuff. So that kind of should tell you a little bit really about what he's like and what he does. But he's a lovely, lovely man. And when he talks about his work in the NHS, you can just tell, he gives off a vibe. You can tell how much he cares. You can tell how precious other people's mental health is to him. You know, he truly understands the fragility of it all. And he's in secure units, so... You know, these are people who are very, very ill, highly medicated. Um, this really is a lot to think about. And hearing how he initially makes contact and, you know, gets the process rolling and just connects with these people in, in a slightly different way. A lot of people that might feel like no one has tried to connect with them for a long time. You know, how he kind of makes that happen. 
Um, yeah, it's fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And when Ben speaks about it, like I said, you can tell how much he cares, but he really thinks about his words. You know, like it kind of felt when he was talking that every single word that he used, he's not going to use a word willy-nilly. He's not going to use a word because he can. You know, he really like thinks about the process. But there's also this really cool other side to him as well. So when I was chatting about his art gallery, right? So his art gallery is really unconventional. And the story about how he set it up is just wicked. It's so interesting. So we're chatting about that. I'm chatting about the graffiti stuff as well, which is like that must that's I think he describes it as his naughty side. And then his like his demeanor kind of changed when I was speaking to him. And you'll hear it in his voice, you know, like how much fun he has with it and how excited he gets with it. And there really is. You can see that that different side side to him you know that radical and unorthodox side that um that i was reading about in some of the articles and like i say he's a he's a lovely lovely bloke and um yeah yeah it's just a really really fantastic chat it's really unusual it's very different to other things that i've put out um i'll post some pictures as well of the um through graffiti and stuff like that because i think that's really really interesting and if you'd like to learn more about ben probably the best place is his website um there's a link to it in these notes but it's uh com, and you can follow the outsider gallery on social media at outsider gallery london i've also put a link in these notes to a really cool article um i think it's in dazed that i read about him which kind of gives a really good really good picture about him as well if you're interested in more about the podcast you can follow me on all social media at proper mental podcast you can email me via the website propermentalpodcast.com if you'd like to support the podcast head to buymeacoffee.com slash proper mental uh, where you can buy me a virtual copy coffee and it just gives me a couple of quid just to help keep the podcast ticking over if you've got two minutes while i'm asking for stuff while i'm begging always on the beg me aren't i always on the scrounge but while you leave buying me a coffee if you wanted to uh leave me a review on itunes five stars that'd be very very much appreciated i think that's everything you need to know and this is episode 41 of the proper mental podcast with ben waiting thank you very much for listening enjoy Here we are with another episode of the Proper Mental Podcast, and my guest today is Mr. Ben Wakeling. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, uh, Tom, for inviting me on. I'm really excited to be here, and yeah, thanks. Oh, mate, yeah, my absolute yeah, thanks, thanks. absolute pleasure. Yeah, it's great to um, great to connect. I'm really, really fascinated about what it is that you do, Ben, particularly in the in the mental health space with regards to art. And I was trying to think of the best way to kind of describe that so that people know <laughs> okay. what you do and it <laughs> it's not the easiest thing right to describe what you do how do you describe it ah uh, um i wish i had some of my best mates here um listening in because they always tease me about um me not being able to answer what i do like say say if you're in a you know pre-covid and you're in a pub and you sort of just happen to get talking to people or you're at a party or something and if someone sort of says oh so what do you do oh so, you know i might just go oh, i do art but there's always a few follow-up questions 
So my friends always pull a face. So they're like, oh, for fuck's sake. You know, because <laughs> I can never explain myself properly. Um, about, or uh, perhaps very clearly and like precisely and quickly what I do, because there's a few hats, I guess, that I wear. Um, one of them being a gallery director. I work with the NHS. I also paint myself and I run a community arts programme. And I think they all inform each other and they're all to do with mental health at times. Well, um, yeah, because, you know, I think my my own personality comes through into my sort of art programmes, whether it's a clinical arts programme or the community arts programme. I mean, you know, even now I find myself sort of waywarding off your question. I'm, you know, I'm still not answering what (laughs) what exactly (laughs) I do. I guess um, I get to paint every day. I paint with some very vulnerable people, paint with some very, um, you know, some amazing people. And yeah, I sort of just ebb and flow. I have to, yeah, I'm quite reactive. I just try to provide a space that is safe, is the perfect, you know, very fertile grounds to sort of express yourself. I really enjoy attempting to bring people together who are you know not super you know just normal people just everyday normal people who perhaps might be hurt in places or you know damaged from art school or you know have a diagnosis you know a mental health diagnosis so I I guess wherever I am uh, and whoever I'm with I try to use paint for us to connect and sort of find our feet with each other yeah yeah that's a that's a very lovely way to put it mate it's something very um very human about that explanation you know that idea of of connection i like that's that's really nice yeah really really nice your your work in the nhs ben are you based in a hospital for that or in a uh what's that where does that happen so with my nhs work which is so i now run my own clinical arts program which is delivered in something called a forensic unit so a forensic hospital for mental health patients who are detained, but they also have sort of a criminal index number. So they have committed a criminal offence, but they also have been detained under a mental health act. So it's quite a unique environment. It's very clinical. And I suppose I'm one of the components in this big, you know, a very large organisation. And I, I suppose I'm allowed a little bit of leeway where I'm where we try to tease out people's like someone's story or try to you know I try to build a relationship with someone again it's always you know I'm using art or paint and paper as a way to do that and we you know we we travel this road I am sort of privileged in a way that I can spend quite a bit of time with people so it's not just one session. We do sort of try to stru- put a structure, in, uh, a time frame in place, which might be about 12 weeks, sometimes 15, which is now considered long term work. Yeah. So within this clinical setting, I work in a group or an individual in an art studio. And well, so we've now created an art studio. Yeah. We, you know, that that's a starting point. I think that there's a starting point and that travels into the arts program, the gallery that I set up, which is designed to include specifically these individuals you know it's such a, an expansive environment you know there's, a, there's a, I, I could speak about it all day um so do yeah you know if you if you want to be really specific with your questions or you know you can yeah i'm really um i love the idea that um we're talking about like you know 10 12 15 week blocks with stuff because i often think with some sort of like mental health support and stuff like that it tends to we have to wait a long time for stuff and then it can be over yeah. relatively 
quickly. But when yes, we're trying to build yeah, these yeah. connections and these relationships to get to a point where you can, I suppose, where people can get where they need to get to, yeah. um, that can that can be a, a longer process, can't it, than, than just a, a couple of sessions. With complex mental health, or as a, which, you know what, any individual out there, not just mental health, but it does take time to build a relationship. And I think that is a good way forward to invest time in someone you know which which opens up avenues or opens up door you know the more you spend spend with people the more time you spend with people the more effort that is you know to engage with community like you know fractured communities you know that the results you would hope would be more encouraging than sort of these quick turnaround quick fire solutions that you know one size fits all take this bit of medication and then off you go you need much more than what the majority of people are getting you need much more out of the services and unfortunately we live in a very difficult time in regards to funding services being run as they wish they could be but you know there's so many of us that have our hands and legs tied with literally such small financial budgets to sort of be tasked with supporting an entire community or you know entire communities is quite it's such a daunting prospect for practitioners and like therapists as well as the patient or the service user or you know just the, the person off the street so in some areas you do you know so this specific area with me running a clinical expressive arts program inside a psychiatric unit and to be given 12 weeks to to really sort of intervene on someone to intervene on to someone to sort of help the road to recovery is not only really important but I think it will serve the wider community you know the wider communities and you know the families that are because it's not just that individual, you, you know, they have family or they have friends or, you know, so mental health affects other people as well. So if you're able to intervene early on or to support individuals who are struggling, that has a knock on effect as well. So hopefully if you can generate awareness within someone who's very vulnerable or support someone, that knowledge might get trickled into their inner circles and their environments and now a lot of us are just trying to do the best that we can really and you know human connections I think as you as you said you know people can relate to that and people sort of want that I think as well like having like when you struggle with your mental health it's such a lonely experience and you know people do feel very alone and very isolated and then to have someone like be able to invest that time in you when you're at a low point and Mm. say you know here is 12 weeks of my time let's work together and Mm. see what we can do like that's really empowering you know that can really like give people the maybe the I don't know maybe make them feel seen in a way or inspire them to start taking those steps forward that doesn't always um you know if you're just pushed through uh, the standard system you know Mm -hmm. I mean it's that what you say is so true because from what I've learned a lot of people just want a bit of attention and just to be heard just to be seen and if you put into modern day context the internet slash social media slash you know you know we're very sort of image conscious based society you know we we see people's victories on these screens and they're sort of you know people are celebrated and if you're not having that it can be really lonely and you can be thinking oh why isn't you know you know you flip through Instagram and you're like well I'm not living my best life and and that can sort of impact you and stuff and from what I've learned I think most of us if not all of us a bit of you know a tent given a bit of focused attention on someone 
goes such a long way, you know, not just waiting for your turn to speak or, you know, to say you're, you know, just actually paying attention and, you know, doing that, doing that on purpose, paying that attention goes such a long way. Yeah. You know, my, yeah, you know, my, you know, you know, offering, you know, making someone a patient a cup of tea and, and having some biscuits and sitting in a chair does so much. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, it really does go a long way. Just, you know, talking to like really listening actually having a conversation is a really important is is really important I think Um, yeah definitely and that whole thing around as well when we're sort of when we're struggling to find our own place in amongst the social media success stories and stuff like mm -hmm. that it can be really hard to kind of everyone's trying to show this fake level of success in the same way right and it you, you still even if you're able to put those pictures up it's not it's not particularly authentic you're not like expressing your your true self and it gets harder and harder in modern life to truly like connect with with what makes you tick really you know with mm-hmm. what and that you know to be able again to have that that space to kind of really I don't know express yourself in a way that's not the stereotypical way of expressing yourself you know whether it, you know instead of like through your clothes or by dyeing your hair a mad color to really kind of like open up and let this let this stuff out and breathe and stuff like that I you know I'd imagine that's really powerful for people as well you know people who need to do that if you can get someone to that point yeah you then start to see a shift and I guess that's what I'm really like in in the professional capacity in a clinical setting would be something that you I'm sort of looking at or looking for just those little shifts someone's perspective or maybe awareness or understanding of you know of their own well I say diagnosis because it will be a diagnosis if you're in a clinic if you're sectioned in a hospital yeah you know that can have tremendous effects that can have really big knock-on effects that could be the difference in them maintaining a close relationship with their partner or getting a partner or you know building family bridges so yeah 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 are people then are they referred to you Ben how does the process work how do people end up um you know sitting down with you to start start this process so um I work uh, closely with the occupational therapy department within each project I'll sit down with the higher-ups and we'll sort of like their knowledge is key so they might identify so within the hospital you have our hospital we've got um 11 wards got a number of wards and within each ward it's like 15 bed units or 12 bed units so in the lead up to identifying where I'm best placed for the next sort of three months or four months the occupational the OTs we will with their knowledge they'll sort of identify maybe a troubled ward maybe there's a lot of drugs coming in at them you know illicit illegal drugs coming in or maybe there's a reason you know there could be that environment could be a, a, a very fragile environment. So we'll choose the correct ward when, say, a programme like mine is best introduced. Um, and that could take a couple of weeks. And then what I like to do is go in maybe once a week for a couple of weeks. And within each ward, you have like a, communi- communi- a communal area. So you have some TVs, there'll be a cafe, you know, um, some comfy seating. And I'll just hang out in this communal, and you know, all the beds surround this communal space. And I'll just hang out there maybe for a couple of weeks, one day, you know, once a week on the day that I'm planning to sort of run my pr- program, I will start 
spending some time and just like casually introducing myself or if I might meet someone, you know, walking past, they'll be like, who the fuck are you? And that will start, you know, I will spend a couple of weeks just hanging out uh, without an agenda um, and just getting to know people. The nursing staff on that ward, the lead occupational therapist and the therapist will sort of liaise with me and will spend those couple of weeks, as I said, introduce myself and maybe talking about the possibilities that a programme like mine could offer. Um, and just like really casually, really slowly introduce myself as why I'm there. They'll be able to do a self-referral if they want to come to my, be included in the program, they can. It's not a requirement. And I think that sort of slow-paced introduction makes a great opportunity for our first session to sort of begin. And yeah, that, that will be the sort of first three weeks, four weeks, I guess how I'm sort of integrated into that ward. Because these wards are very sort of clinical, they're very, it's a very small world. So uh, uh, an outsider coming in, you need to be bled in. And, and that will be the starting point of how I next interact with that individual. And everyone's different. Most people, you know, a lot of people are very different. Obviously, there's similarities in everything you do, but it's such an individual. You know, treating someone as an individual is a is another great skill set to sort of focus on. Yeah, yeah, and that will be the starting. But so even before we get to the art studio, I would have spent quite quite a number of weeks with those individuals. And these will be people who, it's always people that, you know, they'll say they can't draw, can't paint. I'm not creative. You know, I'm perhaps singer. had a horrible experience at GCSE art and stuff like that and that's always a good place for me I always think that's a brilliant place to start right at the beginning I don't look into their case history I don't you know I'm not I try to avoid as much information as possible about individual so I can come in with a clean slate there's a first impression and we're like we're both on equal terms from the beginning that you know I, I definitely take away that authority because I'm not in a, I'm not work, you know, I've got painted clothes, you know, I've got arty clothes on, you know, so, you know, I've got bits of paint everywhere and I'm not in shoes or with a button up tie and things like that. So I do sort of get brought in as an artist rather than someone who's there with some authority. Mm. And that also has proved to be a key, yeah, a key to introducing myself, instigating that early relationship or, you know, starting out that sort of journey in that early relationship. And then we, yeah, and the next stage would be the art studio. Yeah. Do you, do you, is it just a, a case of sitting down, I suppose, and you just put like pen to paper or brush to paper and just kind of see what comes out? Is that kind of how it how it works? Is it an expression thing or is it? Yeah. A... Um, that, again, that can be quite scary to someone. So, so you know, if you if you're used to making art, someone putting a you know a fresh canvas in front of you or you know, a sheet of pe- uh, you know an A3 sketchbook in front of you, that's really daunting. So. It, there is that element where we just sit down and sort of draw, but there's a couple of things that I've, you know, there's a couple of tools that I would use to sort of instigate or prompt so that that initial fit, you know, that facing that fear, we'll do mm. it together and it will be sort of head on. And I'll play, you know, there's a game that I sort of, you know, there's a game that I'll play with people. I still haven't really got a title for it, but basically we take it into, there's a big sheet of paper, loads of art materials around. The idea is to respond to each other's marks instantly. 
So I'll, you know, I'll draw something, then, you know, they'll pick something up and draw with it. Then I'll go. And so you, you can change, it's all on the same bit of paper. So you can draw on people's drawings, you can avoid it. There's so many scenarios that will come out. But to get that all up and running, I will say very little. I won't even tell them what we're doing verbally. I'll sort of, through body language, sort of, I don't know how I do it, but um it's quite difficult to explain how to do it but yeah yeah um yeah i will definitely take work uh, you know i won't be very verbal and at t- often i'm holding this uncomfortable awkward silence because we thought you know we're still quite strict you know we're definitely strangers and i'm asking someone to be sort of it's very intimate asking mm. someone to sort of express themselves is like it's a very intimate uh, experience and if you're doing if you're using art to do that and there's a lot of people scared of art because you you know everyone every person I draw with is like I'm a shit drawer whether it's a professional artist or someone who has you know who has even professional is like oh yeah I'm terrible like this community you know I I run Hackney Week Life Drawing and there's amazing people that can't come down to it and they've been coming for ages and everyone's friends with each other they all say, oh, no, I'm terrible. I'm absolutely terrible. And you're like, mate, that's fucking awesome what you've just drawn. So I think, so holding that uncomfortable, irritable, scary uh, weight in a room is really important. And that will be early on. And it's something that I sort of, I know that's coming. And if we can get through that first session, that will, that always bodes well for them, for someone who wants to come back or stay as you know to fulfill as much as they need to or so and you know and so you know this could be like 10 minutes or an hour it could be you know I think time's irrelevant there is a cap on time obviously if you know if if we've got momentum you know further down the line in in the program and they're coming every week and you know I won't say oh we can do it all day so there will be there is times to be very boundaried but in those early stages in 10 minutes is a session like you know 10 minutes can do like so you know you don't want to overstay just like you don't want to overstay your welcome at someone's house yeah you can be in that you can find yourself in that environment so someone just doing a quick scribble scribble or writing fuck you or drawing a happy sunshine face or something that can be enough as well you have to know when to in those early days not to overstep you want to be boundary but also completely free within within so that first that early door session that first session can we we will just draw anything but i can tease someone into sort of getting something off their chest and calling it you know and that can be that that will be sort of first session and it will set us up for for the rest of the program to sort of begin to unfold or for them to see some of the potential of what we can do, some of the ideas that can come from from this expressive arts programme. Yeah, sure. So this is quite a big question, really, Ben, but um, over those that 12-week period, where are you, or in the, in the space that you're holding, where are you hoping that people can can get to? Like, what's the... I don't want to use the term benefit because that's far too sort of rigid, but you know what I mean? What, what's the, how does this like feed into the overall treatment picture and help them? Like, how does the, what's the experience bringing out that helps people that are dealing with these, these situations? Yeah. So with that in mind, you know, I'm, I'm just starting to think back with hindsight, like go over past projects. 
Yeah, benefits is probably not the correct word. No, not at all. It's much more subtle, I, right? I, you know, one of the one of the strengths maybe from this program, and that I've heard sort of doctors or other practitioners as an outsider looking in on, on this art program, what they've noticed is that you know you take an area like north north and east london you've got every community under the sun and you'll have people from and in you know and hospital reflects the those environments you've got every shade of color every type of person every type you know so english might not be someone's first language there's a lot of people for myself verbally articulating my way through life i find really difficult put a paintbrush in my hand i'm a lot more comfortable with like a you know a visual language can there are people who can develop a visual language so then when the doctors or when other practitioners from other departments start looking in on our work you know those visuals can be translated you know that they can there's other practitioners that will look at some visuals and think who will be able to understand perhaps what that individual's attempting to say or can't you know who because yeah. you can't always articulate what you're trying to say. So a visual or put a microphone in someone's hand and they can, like that create creativity can be used as a vehicle to explain things that you might not be able to articulate. Yeah, definitely. And like, So that there could be someone who's talking about social issues or social injustices. There could be people who, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, who, you might have some men who won't, some very traditional men who might be like, you know, stiff up a lip, mate, I'm fine. You know, that sort of, I'm okay, I'm fine. Your mum's just died? No, I'm fine. I find myself doing it. Unfortunately, I've just had a school friend pass away and I was I was with a friend yesterday and she was like, yeah, how you doing? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Obviously, and so what I'm trying to explain is that I guess if you can understand that you don't have to be verbally articulate, that can open up other realms of communication and it could be yeah. sort of banging a drum you know playing the drums or it could be running it could be bit of, you know writing a book or, or reading a book and you know they there's other people that sort of study the way you're doing that that information can be yeah I guess so like what gets produced in my arts program can, can be used by other practitioners in a different field to have a different insight. Yeah. So I guess there are benefits to this arts program, but I think one of the good things that can happen that might not necessarily be from the patient's point of view, but from other practitioners, they'll be like, ah, oh, you know, yeah. they've never discussed that in therapy. But someone writing some, you know, just, just a really impulsive thing. Yeah. That two seconds can have, you know, someone, you know, if, if there is permission for a doctor to see that, then they'll be like, oh, okay. And that will spark ideas for other yeah, practitioners. Yeah. So then that eventually, hopefully feeds back to the patient. And that, and it's all very organic. It's all very sort you know, I, I think it's really important to, to say that this process is quite or get is really organic and keeping that authenticity and by that I mean putting the patient's needs first that's the priority that's the only priority can have knock-on effects as well as well as the sort of obvious you know if you you know if you love making music and you're allowed to play to pick up a, a guitar then yeah of course there's you know those obvious benefits are there yeah and you do get people who are oh I've never used a spray can. And I, I'm saying, look, you're getting in trouble in everywhere in your life, but come with me. Let's go and spray paint a wall. And that sort of exciting, you know, 
that excitement can sort of lead on to things as well. You know, these are heavily medicated people. You know, so much has gone wrong so often for such large periods of time. And then you get some fucking dickhead going, oh, let's come on, let's make some art. It's like you, people, you, you know, it'd be, it's quite, it's quite easy to turn people off. Mm. So I think these initial early engagements is incredibly important and I take it really slowly and I'm always considering what's best for that individual or that group and reacting and, and you make, mm. making the, the correct reaction. And I just keep doing that, you know, every session or, you know, every interaction, you have to sort of be very, con- it's a very concentrated time in that hour, you know, you're very hyper concentrated and because any little thing can have a huge, you know, you know, me moving a teacup could have an impact or, you know, moving some art materials away from one individual closer to another can have impacts because they might have previous. Yeah, sure. So all these gentle, you know, so I try to be as gentle as I can in the early stages, because hopefully within this program, there can be positives for that person to take away. Could be, you know, and confidence is a big thing as well. That's one thing I've learned, whether it's with Hackneywick Life Drawing or the outsider gallery and, you know, sort of the NHS therapy stuff. Confidence is a is a big thing as well, I think. And you can easily damage people's confidence when they're expressing something creatively. It's a very fragile moment. Mm-hmm. So very, people are very delicate, aren't they? I think us human beings now are very sort of delicate in this modern modern world. So, you know, if you can, how you do that, how you build someone's confidence you know it's always different that can have a huge impact as well there's a few things that can hopefully benefit <laughs> that patient and it's forever changing you know it, it, it's forever changing and there's there's lots of stuff that i don't even realize people have different perspectives so i guess i'm only or i can only talk about it from my point of view yeah of course but it seems like it's going well when they keep employing me for some reason. So <laughs> always <laughs> like, a good sign, Ben. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just gonna sort of yeah, I just yeah. gotta keep yeah, 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 keep that. It it sounds like like on your part, you have to be so like really intuitive and really mm. um, you know, it's very nuanced, very, very subtle. Do you have to look after yourself in some respect? I mean, kind of afterwards, because this is heavy stuff that you're dealing with you know and um it's when working in in the mental health sector it's not always just a case of just like coming over and putting the telly on you know like um you know you're dealing with heavy heavy stuff do you have to kind of distance yourself from it in some way um i've got to be careful not to be too truthful with this question because i don't want to get fired you know i I love what i do but in respect to looking at in respect with that question with and thinking about the nhs artwork well actually both the both the art programs um i do have to look after myself because some of the reasons why people are in hospital is quite hard to understand there's a lot some patients can be really clever and can take you can you know can take you on a journey and when when you're building a relationship with someone you know they can be playing you as what you know there's you know I've been played well that that sounds quite sort of flippant but you can get used I think and some of the subject matter that comes up yeah it's really heavy really disturbing I guess everyone's there for a reason so it's not you know it's not lightweight so in an ideal world I would have supervision once a week and supervision is where I would sit down for an hour and I would discuss exactly we would walk through point by point 
what happened in that session, good and bad, I would own up to my mistakes. I will own up to what I did well. And that would be with that conversation would be with a practitioner who's further in their career, a lot more experienced than myself. And they would able to, you know, they help with that assistance and help unload some of that complicated weight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that gets picked up. Transference is a real thing. You know, I, I'm quite susceptible to something called transference where maybe that's why I'm good at what I do because I can pick up on really subtle things or, you know, I'm quite tuned in perhaps to other people's emotions. So when you're dealing with an individual who's committed some crazy things and really intelligent and has complex mental health disorders and stuff like that, you know, you can, things can get, yeah, transferred onto you. So, mm-hmm. mate, yeah, it, it's one thing I need to get better at because I think I am struggling in recent years because I'm not having the correct support and I'm not doing the correct things that I should be doing as well. But yeah, if I come out of a session, I probably won't want to see anyone for that rest of the day. Switching off to mindless TV can help. Sometimes I come back and paint. The unhealthy side of me will go for a beer. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm not encouraging people to go into therapy and then get pissed when you come out because it. But you know, I'm human. Sometimes that happens, or yeah, of course, or, or or just linking up with mates that you know that that can be um, really helpful. And there's something that I sort that that I do say to the relevant people because there are people out there who don't do things that they enjoy there's a in terms of sort of someone who's depressed because depression you can sort of move through it you can come out of depression it's not a permanent thing so like say if someone's experienced like it in recent years a few friends have sort of confided in me because of the work that I do and uh, some and just getting someone to realize that it's been weeks since they've done their favorite thing is like it's such a like light bulb moment so there's loads of things that we all you know we all have things that we love doing and every time I sort of get into this sort of specific conversation I get them to realize that they haven't done like a few of my mates love cycling or love playing football when was the last time you played your five aside two years ago or you know taking the time to read you know so many people love reading after work there's a bit of sunshine late evening you know go and sit on a canal read a book or when was the last time you went out with the boys out with the girls or out with your friends and had that sort of social interaction you know you could be in your 40s you got two kids and your partner and you, you you haven't when was the last time you went on a date with your wife or your husband or went to the cinema if you're not doing the your favorite things on a weekly basis you can without realizing become low so I've always had that in my mind so I guess a long way to answer your question would be to you know it sounds really obvious but I would try and do some of my favorite things it's a lovely way to put it a lovely way yeah. to put it yeah and, that's what, and, yeah sorry it's um it's just what yeah modern life strips us of these things doesn't it ben and then that that becomes the norm and like you say two years goes yeah, past yeah. in the blink of an eye and you haven't haven't done that thing yeah 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 and it, you know or i mean i suppose i'm only saying stuff that i like but you know there's get 10 things that you love doing put them on a sheet of paper and they can't include drugs and just make sure you do those things as often as you can yeah and like <laughs> that's such a good 
because that will put a smile on your face and if you've got a smile then yeah you know perspective comes and, yeah, yeah it's a start you know yeah yeah, yeah it's a start yeah, definitely yeah. oh mate and um do the work that gets produced do you show some of that work is that what some of that goes into your gallery or is that a, a different aspect where the the outsider stuff comes from so how that all came up so the outsider gallery is dedicated to mental health marginalized people prisoners excluded and also people that work within that field as well so it's quite a wide range of people that can be included into the gallery and it all started yeah within my first job I was working in a sort of day center when I was getting into this uh, field I was working in a day center which would bus patients over into this sort of community center and they would and they would be there for the day and that was that um, I started drawing with a guy who had never drawn before. His reality was so different to what me and you would consider our reality. So, he, you know, King George was his best mate and he was always in the, you know, so he's very sort of, and they, you know, he was in his mid 60s when I met him, never drawn before. If he did, if he was verbal, it was very, as I said, you know, far from what we would consider our reality. And this thing just started pouring out of him. He, you know, he just started drawing and he was so like invent, inventful with his drawings. It was sort of like, it was like an engineer drawings, you know, they were just inventions. And um, I just remember, you know, just remember thinking that people has to see this. Someone has to, like all my contempt, all my friends in the art field would love to see someone like this. And, and and there, you know, he did these like little drawings, but they were so inventful. And I just remember thinking, I've got, you know, someone, people would love to see it because I was just in awe. It completely ruined contemporary art for me. Discovering psychiatric patients when they're in a psychosis state of mind and watching them draw just yeah it, it spoiled art for me completely because it was wow. so pure I sort of said to the higher ups I was like is there any way we can it just got shut down like no one was interested in art they didn't give a shit it's like no go and clean the toilets you know what you what, you know it was such a far-fetched thing so um I nicked a couple of frames put their work in a couple of frames uh, snuck it out of the building put on this um sort of hung it in the building really close by told all the i uh, trout to their family and their necks and said look i believe this is in their best interest i would love to show your dad's work you know i was trying to shoot basically i was trying to show i tried to get in touch with someone he was their son i was like mate i really want to show your dad's work somewhere and he was like a normal guy and he was like really my dad you sure like, like mate it's like one of the best people i've ever met and i sort of approached it with a everything will be kept confidential nothing's for sale the artwork belongs to that individual and i i was just like a fierce gatekeeper you know i was a fierce protector of, you know I, I felt like i was sort of standing in front of them and like protecting them from and from from the contemporary art world because i knew what that world's like and i just thought people need to see this work and you know you don't have to go to a London art school to to create something beautiful or to create something or to, just to create something you know there's I don't know and I think because of my mental health background so like that sort of there was definitely in like an underdog momentum motivation for me and sort of like sticking up from like because I felt like I had to stand my ground going through the art world out yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. One day, something just, I don't know. It was like, it just switched. 
And I was like, I have to hang this work. There's no other, obje- you know, just to, there's no sort of financial objective. There's no sort of big spiel, arty spiel about how we're trying to save the dolphins or anything. You know, it's just pure, expressive, rebellious feel to it. Like a really sort of organic, really just like, well, this is what we're doing. It's like, I don't know, it felt really rock and roll. It felt really sort of rebellious. It felt really exciting and a bit dangerous. And people, ther- you know, you know, therapy practitioners or pe- clinic- clinical practitioners, you would never ever show confidential work. And I just, yeah, but I knew that I wouldn't be taking advantage in any way, shape, or form of the patient. And I sort of got given this tiny bit of leeway, overstepped my mark, but it went really well. And I've just kept being a bit rude by just being intuitive but always having the back of the patient that's the only priority and that's the only thing I sort of care about in that in that moment I, I don't know and it just kept working like the results were really good which got a couple of doctors on my side and once you've got a couple of doctors on the side at the time I didn't know I do not with hindsight now you know that can go that went a bit further and I was able to work more with the same patients and I was more like I'm very um oh what's the word not savvy when you're um for example I didn't have money for art materials but I was able to get them when you're very um like resourceful what's the word resourceful I'm really resourceful so I was able to sort of no one would give me a budget for art materials people didn't want me drawing with these patients but I sort of somehow just yeah I don't know just like creeping through the back I was yeah it was it was just like people were just like mate you can't be doing this but I knew that it was the best thing for the patient that patient at that time I, I knew my own intentions and I guess a couple of people there was a, one or two people that sort of really saw saw me and thought I was very honest you know saw my honest intentions and sort of believed me I guess and that just gave me enough just enough just to use that initiative but I would always leap right you know I'd leap so far forward across the little bit of rope that they gave me and it would work out yeah I I just I guess it pays sometimes I guess it's paid off being rebellious a little bit and I'm not trying to sound sort of I don't know if I'm coming across like really wanky or anything but not at all not at all there's something about trust sometimes you have to do the yeah 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 and I just did it before before getting permission. I never would have got permission in so many aspects, so many milestones. So I just did it and then told them, but it's work. So do you want to do it again? <laughs> and that was like, yeah, I think, uh, uh, you know, that's, yeah. Uh, well, hopefully I'm making sense, but that would be the way I would, that would be the correct way yeah. to describe it, I guess. I was, yeah. Uh, oh, mate. And it's that same sort of approach um, that you took to the, we touched on it a little bit um, like before we started the chat, but with the mental health um, vandals stuff. And I've seen some really interesting <laughs> things on trains and, uh, and stuff <laughs> like that, mate. What's, uh, what's the deal with that? Because, you know, just to see the words mental health, massive sprayed on a wall or on a train or something like that that's like that's powerful you talk about raising awareness you know that's like bomb there it is here we are you know that's what's happening yeah i mean yeah oh shit the train stuff yeah so as of this year i'm uh, i just want to say i'm i I don't condone i have (laughs) i don't condone in vandalism and all that 
stuff. Yeah, that was really exciting. I mean, so that started around sort of 2016. I guess a lot of my own personal shit was responsible for that. So this was coming at a time where I was receiving therapy, but also allowed inside a hospital to deliver an arts program. So it was very sort of conflicting mind states to be I'll be receiving therapy in East London and I'll go over to North London and I'm running an arts program with tier four patients which is the most um, complex patient you can have and I love painting I love graph and for <laughs> just one day I just thought you know fuck it you know I, I knew a route to get oh, there was a place in Finsbury Park if you go north of Finsbury Park there's a big sort of train depot and I don't know yeah graffiti is a sport to me I guess it's I, I don't prosper from it I only ever get in trouble it takes a lot of hard work like so much shit comes back to you there's like no positives at all or like such very few apart from the, the sort of rush the way to get back at the system maybe you know certain kids do it and you start off as a kid and maybe it's to escape something at home or school or whatever and that sort of bug just stayed with me so for whatever reason I was just getting a bit bored with what I was painting I guess as an artist you're always looking for something to excite you or for me I'm always inspired you you look for inspiration and (laughs) for some reason instead of doing what I would usually do I guess um, I just ended up (laughs) straight just spraying this like it was so the very first one was they call it a track side so when you you know on a train you know there's wall the walls either side of a on a train line yeah yeah and i just ended up spraying mental health vandals just completely just just again with i didn't plan to do it or and i I remember like a few days later finding out my friend who's a photographer you know he photographs graffiti in street art I was like, mate, you've got to go and check out this thing. You know, tell me what you think. The world of graffiti and street art, I'm not going to go into it, but it's quite, there's a lot of politics between each other. So I was was like, what do you think? It's like, it's a bit street arty, but in a traditionally graffiti setting. And and he, like, but that ended up sparking such a rich debate. Like, he's a really good friend of mine, Joe. um, And he he ended up, we just, just had, it just opened up a can of worms and within those worms there was ideas and it just sort of helped birth sort of mental health vandals and then the sort of the blue nhs heart came from that because it was a bit i suppose the sort of branding in me the graphic design head in me sort of you know it was just a cleaner way to to sort of represent that idea but it was just i mean but it's all about just going against the system supporting the nhs championing them and just saying, you know, mental health people, you know, if you do have mental health, you're not, you're not a pariah. You're not, I don't know, but I, I really, I really think that that sort of spray painting that instigated or helped form the gallery as well. It helped form, it helped me believe in my ideas a bit better. It helped. So it gave me a bit of confidence. It allowed me to sort of be naughty, but in a really good way. Just like we're putting on those shows, it's like sometimes you have to do what is seemed wrong to do the right thing. You have to do the wrong thing to do the, to make sure it's done right. Or again, it's such a thin, it's a very thin line and you can easily fall off it. But I guess I'm, I'm well enough to always stick to my ethics. I don't budge on it. I don't budge on my ethics. And I, th- I, and I felt for that sh- just telling everyone about mental health because it wasn't spoken about you know mental health is only a very recent thing and I, you know part you know the ego part of me likes to think that maybe the, the gallery in north london and sort of spraying mental health everywhere across the city 
and the blue NHS heart maybe helped inspire other people or other things or other organisations or I don't know, just or get people to sort of reach out to their whatever they, you know, to their sessions or to their sort of people or, you know, that's how me and you got talking because yeah. I didn't realise that's how, how what, that you saw that. So that's like one of the best things, like, you know, money can't buy, buy, a, buy a feeling like that. Yeah, it's just yeah, a, it's just a different way to start that conversation that can be such a a difficult conversation to start or connect people in a different way or just just. And I've got yeah. to be truthful. I've got to be truthful. I didn't have an agenda with it. I, I would like. I wish I had. I wish I could say, yeah, I wanted to achieve this. At the end of the day, I just wanted to tag something and just to get you know. I that for me was my, that helps me. So that's one of the things that I love going out and using spray paint is that helps me that makes me feel better about me at the same time it, you know being honest I didn't I didn't have an agenda as much as you know sometimes it would you know, it'd be great if that's inspiring someone but I've got to be honest I'm a bit selfish and I, I sort of was just doing it for me as well just to sort of say it was okay to be okay you know or to say yeah. it's okay not to be okay type of you know that type of thinking yeah no, well it certainly looks sick sense. you know like however it came about it's certainly uh <laughs> it's certainly oh, cool amazing. man yeah yeah ben oh, that's awesome a massive man. smile on my face <laughs> that's good that's good man mate i've really enjoyed today chatting to you and um you know learn I, I don't know a thing about art i'm not gonna you know even pretend so to just hear about yeah something when i was doing a bit of research for our, our chat like, there's so many words that in different like articles and pieces that pop up about you and it's always like unorthodox and radical and going against the grain and all this stuff and um yeah it's just um it's just so so sick to hear about of just other things that are that are out there you know because it we're all different and we all need different ways to connect and different ways to get help and different ways to help each other and um yeah just the amount of variation the more variation the better in everything as far as i'm concerned so. that's a really good way to say it yeah that's a really i couldn't say it but yeah that's a really great way to say it oh sick man well ben thank you so much for your time mate i'm really glad we made it we made it happen and uh yeah really really appreciate it thank you so much for um sending those emails and reaching out and getting in, getting in touch i'm sorry i've been moving a bit slowly but um Mate, it's no uh no odds to me no odds to me what whatsoever man like um yeah i just it, they happen when they happen sometimes they don't happen sometimes they come back around it's just uh I, that's why i i've been down a bit of a like a creativity rabbit hole myself and it's something that through my own journey i kind of lost like i i ended up with nothing i wasn't expressing myself in any way at all and weirdly mm-hmm. doing this podcast as kind of unlocked something in me and I'm still figuring out what that is but I love the idea that I like I send these messages out to people that I think could be a good chat and some get back and some don't and some happen straight away and some happen in a month's time and so I've kind of got a certain amount of control but it's also so much of it is just left to who replies and when they reply and it kind of like forms itself and for me I quite like that so uh yeah it's just cool that we made it happen and um yeah I can only, yeah, thank you so much for your patience. And it's been, I'm really glad that this has happened. I, I get really nervous around interviews and, um, I, you know, so, you know, not like I do interview, not like I'm anyone who gets interviewed, but I guess I still have imposter syndrome, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. for so, Yeah. But I'm just, I'm honestly, I'm really grateful that you reached oh, out mate. and we've been able to have this chat and yeah. for you to take the time to ask me some questions. That's, 
that's that's amazing thank you so much oh mate yeah it was my absolute pleasure yeah i really enjoyed it it's gonna be a gonna be a good listen I'll, I'll let you know when it's coming out if you want to hear it first i'll send you the link and stuff like that and um yeah yeah it's all um it's all good mate thank you very much i hand it all over to you mate um if you could do anything with it then it's all you yeah ah that's <laughs> sick oh mate you're a star thank you so much mate and um yeah best of luck with everything i hope it all continues to uh thank you do too. well what you're doing is awesome um, stay in touch please yeah yeah for real man yeah that'd be awesome yeah thank you for listening from the proper mental podcast Please like and subscribe. The space time.